Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome to the Lost Disney Nerds podcast. I'm Jen. And I'm Drew. And we've got a treat for you today. And tell me what we're going to talk about, Drew. Uh, we're going to be start this uh, kind of spotlight series. And we're going to start off with the Toy Story franchise. We're going to go through one through four and just discuss them, what we like, what we don't like, and just in general like, have a review conversation. Yeah, so um, we suggest that if you haven't seen the Toy Stories or any of them recently, maybe take a pause, go have a fun movie marathon with a friend or with your family and watch the Toy Stories and then come back and talk about it with us because Drew and I have recently watched the Toy Story movie so we could have like an updated updated thoughts about this. So if you want to, take your time now to pause and go watch the movies. But if you've seen them recently, then you can go ahead and listen along and have your thoughts and chat with us about it. Uh, we don't have any Disney news. Not too many big updates. So we're just going to dive right into the topic. So, Drew, if you want to go ahead and we can just go through each movie and just kind of review it and what we liked about it and stuff. So if you want to just go ahead with Toy Story 1. Sure. Let's see. Toy Story 1 is the one that pretty much created Pixar the way we know it. It's the first computer anime movie ever, full length. And it's really astounding how much it holds up. Um, it's not going to have the same emotional impact as 2, 3, or 4, just because Pixar was younger. They didn't know what they were doing exactly. They And if you hear any of the behind-the-scenes stuff, they're like, yeah, we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also, it the hard part of it was that they established the Woody and Buzz relationship. That's what I've realized going back. Like, what was the significance of one other than being the first one, obviously? It's that it actually makes the relationship that builds throughout the series. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I do think it's interesting. That's something I noticed as I rewatched them. I was like, wow, I don't get emotional during this movie really at all. And, like, there's, like, I guess the only, like, sad part or anything is when Buzz tries to fly out the window and he realizes he can't fly so he crashes and he just lays there in despair <laughs> um, but we all really we all knew that was coming because we all knew that he can't fly but um, other than that like you look you like watch the rest of the Toy Stories and it's like wow like we're pulling on my heartstrings in this one or there's a lot of emotional connections or emotional moments especially Toy Story 3 um, but then you look back at Toy Story 1 and they were like oh no emotions there really but but yeah even though it's like the first full length computer animation movie I still think it's beautiful um, I mean it, obviously it's older compared to the other ones but hearing that it's the first one and it's like Pixar's first go at I guess I think it's awesome and they but they also have a well they're well balanced with like humor and seriousness and still you get that relationship like they're still focusing on it some movies I think 
they try too hard with humor that they're taking away the significance of the movie itself. But everybody knows the reason for the movie is to establish uh, the relationship between Buzz and Woody. Yeah, because in the end, I mean, a lot of it is world building, especially with this one. I, we had a kind, I, they had to kind of establish like the toys, stop, you know, the toys pretty much, you know, play silent the entire time. They do this, they do that. They had established the world, and they also had established Woody and Buzz. There's a lot that they had to do with this one, and then by Toy Story Two, they were able to more focus on just character growth. More also focus on introducing only a handful of characters, not introduce the entire room of Andy's room. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, like, so I don't know about you, but when I was little, I was one of those kids that always worried that like if I had a bunch of stuffed animals or like a bunch of toys I was one of those kids that always worried about toys getting like left out or toys like if I didn't if I like I would take turns sleeping with them so I didn't leave anybody out because I didn't like I didn't like stick to one toy because I always was like I was well-rounded with them and I was like I don't want them to feel left out oh my penguin's gonna feel bad if he doesn't get to sleep with for the night i was one of those kids and now i think about it maybe it's i like toy story like was my movie as a kid my brother and i always watched it and it was always the movie we wanted on and we loved it also because my brother's name is andy so he just like was like oh my god that's me so um but i think because i watched toy story so much because i watched how nervous the toys were that Andy was getting a new toy like they set up a whole system for it on his birthday to watch what he's getting and they were all like oh my god don't replace me don't replace me like don't get a new toy don't like the new toy over me they're so nervous and I was like I don't want to do that to my toys so I always balanced out my time with them I was one of those and I think it was because of this movie probably I don't know, I never actually slept with, like, any of my toys, really. I don't, like, like, I played with plenty of my toys. I played with a lot of toys growing up, but just, like, not that. But I also know you're talking about, like, just, like, throughout the series, like, it remind me of, like, I forgot about toys. <laughs> I know, it's like, I wonder if I made my toy feel like that. <laughs> like, and you feel like crap as, like, a seven-year-old. Um... But yeah, overall, really good movie. If you had to pick a favorite part of the movie or like a scene that you really like or just like a funny scene, what would you say? Um, well, there's a, the funny scenes. There's a there's, there's a few. Uh, there's Mrs. Nesbit. <laughs> that's not, I, that's my favorite scene. Um, or when uh, Woody tries to get uh. Buzz to go in the back of the uh, of the pizza plant truck instead of in the front. Oh yeah! And he just gets destroyed in the back <laughs> the entire time. And Buzz has a seatbelt on and stuff. Buzz has, uh, Buzz has a seatbelt on, j- uh, just relaxing. <laughs> That's funny too. I also like when they're uh, in there, like, um. When they're their room meeting and Woody is like about to announce that Andy's birthday is like today, and 
I forgot exactly what makes Mr. Potato Head do it, but he like somebody says something and Mr. Potato Head looks at another toy and he takes his lips off and he puts them on his butt, like kiss my ass. I think that's really funny. Um I think it I can't remember exactly. I think it's Slinky praising him or so or Woody saying like Woody knows what's best for everyone. I forget. Oh yeah, and he's saying like Yeah, like Woody knows what's going on. Trust him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, butt kisser. <laughs> I think that's funny. Um I thought of another one too. I don't know, but Mrs. Nesbitt is my overall favorite scene. I have friends that quote that all the time. <laughs> I actually quoted it last night, I remember, when I was with my friends. Um, there was something I was going to say, too. I can't remember if he appears in Toy Story 2 at all. But you know what character... Oh no, maybe he does he does appear in Toy Story 2 because that's how Buzz figures out um that's how Buzz figures out how to who took Woody in Toy Story 2 but um Mr. Speak and Spell I wish he would have lived on through it all because I don't I just really liked him and I thought it was like funny how like he talked and like his words displayed on the screen. I thought that as a kid, I thought that was super cool. But I wish he kind of would have like lived on through all the way through, and he didn't. And I don't know, just kind of giving a shout out to him because I really liked him and he's a good character. I I, I wish the army men could could have stayed. Mm-hmm. Like they, they they just left by it uh, by the beginning of three. Yeah, it's such a good it's such a good moment though. Actually, like that was actually their first pretty much scene for making Toy Story in general, and they didn't know how they were going to do it. The creators like they actually had to get like planks of wood, and like glue shoes on them, and like see how they would walk with like a big piece of plastic. In between the feet. Yeah. So what I like too is uh, even though they didn't really know what they were doing or it was kind of like a first movie, first try, you know, and stuff. I feel like they really paid attention. They did pay attention to like how each toy would walk like in real life or like paid attention to what the toys were made of and how they would like appear and how they would like I said, how they would walk, how they would move their arms. Like, each toy had their own way of doing it. Like, the army men with the big piece of plastic. And Woody's a little more flexible, so he can flail his arms around and stuff. And Buzz, um, you have to, like, raise his arm and then bend his arm. Or, like, he's not as flexible as Woody, and you can kind of tell. And then just, like, every every toy has a different structure obviously and I feel like they really paid attention to that instead of just making them all walk the same and stuff like that so I appreciate that I mean they I mean, Pixar this is the beginning of them caring about every single little detail mm-hmm. um, but also I mean, they really had to focus on stuff like that because 
they were very limited when they made this movie. Like, if you notice um, the birthday party scene, uh, Andy's birthday party, take a look at the kids. They're all just Andy in different colors. <laughs> yeah, like, they all have, like, the same legs and the same feet. It, it, like, same face. Like, oh, legit, yeah. yeah. I don't really, I'm trying to, do you really see their face? When do you see their faces? Um, for a brief second, you see a quick flash of them, like uh, as the toy, as the Iron Men are moving around, like they're in the hall. Oh, okay. But yeah, but yeah, like they're extremely limited. That's why they did Toy Story. They did toys. It was easy for them to make animation about toys. Making also the fact that it was still rough, so like they didn't know how they couldn't really do fur and stuff. So like. Plastic is pretty easy to make it look like plastic with just um, what they had. I like how in Toy Story 1, you don't, do not see the face of Andy's mom like whatsoever. Like it's always her legs or her feet and anything like that. And you just like never see the faces. Cause that's kind of like the thing back in like Walt when it was like when it's all like Walt Disney pictures or Walt Disney movies when before it just turned to Disney. Um, you never really see faces of parents and stuff like that. But then now, like, looking into, to- especially Toy Story 3 and 4, you see her full body, like, whenever she appears all the time. And it's like, when you're watching Toy Story 1, it's like, oh, I'm never really going to see what Andy's mom looks like. And then in Toy Story 4, she just, like, appears and it's like, or 3. Actually, I just watched Toy Story, the first one. There actually is a quick flash of what she looks like. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, I mean, like you're saying, I mean, it's also due to limitations to what they could do. That's why they didn't do humans at, uh, barely at all, because humans look terrifying in the <laughs> what they had with software. The right. dog, Spud, looks, or Scud, yeah, Scud, looks terrifying. For the t- I mean, for a time period, it looked good, but <laughs> it, it it's it's got a smashed face and no hair. Oh, you're talking about uh, Sid's dog. Yeah, Third dog, dog, yeah. I thought talking about Andy's dog. I was like, his no, name is no, no. <laughs> but well, no, yeah, no, that's it, it, not shown until uh, Toy Story two when they kind of figured out what a dog looked like. That's when I was confused, but yeah, the dog is terrifying. <laughs> But yeah, overall, in my list, um, if I had to rank the four Toy Stories, Toy Story 1 is still my number one, because it's just the original, I don't think anything can beat it, I just, I think it's good, so, it ranks number one in my ranking of the four. What about you? Um... You know, I I appreciate the importance of it, like just in general, like it being the first Pixel movie. This is the one that started everything, and it is very good. But I think that it's honestly the bottom ranking for me. What? Really? Because I mean, the other ones, they like Pixar. You see Pixar actually mature and grow, and and they actually try and attempt to, to handle topics bigger than just. Uh, you know, a new toy coming into the you know, room. 
I understand where you're coming from. I can't believe it's at the bottom. I thought it would at least be second or third, but I respect. Um, so do we want to move on to the second one? Sure. Okay. The second one for a while was at the bottom of my list. It was just kind of like the Toy Story, like once well, the fourth one was pretty recent, but once all three of them were out, at least, the second one was the one I least pay attention to, and I least played that one, I guess, if you want to call it. Like, when if I had to pick a Toy Story movie, it would always be one or three. I kind of just ignored two. I don't really know why. I just wasn't that interested in it. So it was always at the bottom of my list, but I honestly just rewatched it, probably within the last two weeks, and... It moved up on my list. I won't give my ranking till the end. Um, But it moved up on my list being rather than being at the bottom because I just like I just watched it. I don't know. Something just happened. I was just like, wow, like I actually really like this one. Like there's a lot of scenes that are like funny, but also it's good. Um, The scene where the I don't know if he has a name. Or the guy that cleans Woody comes in and like polishes him and fixes him and stuff. That scene is just like beautiful. Like there's just so much detail and like it's really satisfying just to watch him do that. And he just goes so hard and they show every single little detail of how he fixes Woody and like polishing his eyes and making him look good. I I love that scene and like his little box that he opens up, it just keeps opening and has all these compartments. I don't know, it's really satisfying to me. I love that scene. <laughs> I just, like, watch it over and over again. Um, but I rewatched it and I realized I like it a lot more. I appreciate it a lot more than I did before, so it moved up on my list. But um, I do really like it. I like how it has more, like, kind of what we were talking about before how it has more of an emotional attachment. Um, so the whole scene when when She Loved Me comes on and we figure out Jessie's past life and how her owner lost her and stuff. I like how it has a little more, has that emotion to it. Uh, I don't know. There's just a lot of like scenes that I really appreciate and I think is really cool. So that's my two cents on it. Uh, to- yeah, Toy Story 2 is the beginning of when Pixar started actually doing a mo- like much more deeper messages in their films. Um, oh, also, I believe the cleaner actually does have a name. If it's, if, he, if it's the same character, it's the man from Jerry's Game, the short that came with A Bug's Life. Yeah, yeah, it is. So I, I I have to guess it is actually him, and yes, it is very cathartic to watch that scene. <laughs> Love it. But uh, um, also, Toy Story Two was the one that shouldn't have happened. It's uh, like if you actually see or read any of the behind the scenes stuff, um, it almost didn't. It almost got completely destroyed, actually. Really, an earthquake. Uh, happened near the studio and it just messed with their server so bad that all the data was lost. Oh. But 
it turned out that uh, one of the people working on the movie, she was actually on uh, maternity leave, and she still had a co- backup copy at her home that she was working on. What do you know? Hey, wow, that's cool. Yeah, that that that's pretty much how it got saved. But Toy Story Two is an improvement pretty much all around for the characters. Um, and it did, it took a lot of risks in terms of like introducing not just Jesse, but like her issues, like her abandonment issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and like I told you before we did this, like they just stopped the movie for two plus minutes to just have a song play about her being her being abandoned and how much that affected her and how much that affects anyone growing up like the reality of it mm-hmm. that certain things will be pushed to the wayside in order for a child to grow this is the start of them actually kind of handling the toys as if they are not just part of childhood and toys but also a little bit as almost guardians to their children that they are playing with right and I mean, it, it's kind of, it's it's odd because it's the start of them like Woody accepting the fact that everything has a time limit with Andy. Like all of it, as much as like like the, like at the end when they like when um you know Buzz is fast and like are you still scared? He's like nah, it'll be fun while it lasts. Yeah, like for, like for that to happen, and then when we jump to Toy Story three, we see it actually playing out in real time. Mm-hmm. Was I think a really good move on Pixar's part? Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's ironic and a little funny how, um, like in Toy Story two, it's like. Um, Woody fought like Woody like starts to kind of say like oh you know like I could leave Andy and go with you guys and go to a museum and like go somewhere else I could do that if I really wanted to and he's kind of like falling for it first and then Buzz comes around and he like is saying like what are you thinking like you're Andy's toy like let's go back like what are you doing and like kind of snaps him back into reality and like shakes him and is like no like you're Andy's toy let's go back like how they get back but then in it's the complete opposite in Toy Story 4 like it's funny to see what he had that attitude and I mean maybe it played a significance into his attitude in Toy Story 4 because he almost did leave Andy and stuff so then in Toy Story 4 um with like Bonnie he's got this attachment or well well I guess in Toy Story 3 more sorry I messed that up in Toy Story 3 now he's the one that's like, no, we got to go back to Andy. And Buzz is the one that's like, well, our playtime's done. Let's go to the daycare. I don't care anymore. Like, let's do it. And Woody's like, no, you guys are ridiculous. Like, how could you leave Andy like that? And it's like, well, Woody, let's look back and see when you wanted to leave Andy at one point and go be in a museum. I mean, obviously, that probably has a relationship where it's like Woody did it once and he doesn't want to do it again. He's like, oh, I almost left Andy last time 
I don't ever want to do that again, but it's funny how they just completely flip roles within the matter of a, one movie. Yeah, I mean, also, if you jump back to Toy Story 1, Buzz is just completely delusional. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's the thing, and there is, there's a lot of growth in the fact that now, by Toy Story 2, he's the one who, no, we're Andy's toys, we're here to save Woody, because that's what we need to do for Andy. Mm-hmm. To go from that, to go from being the delusional spaceman to being the one leading a rescue mission is a big jump, really. Yeah. Um, I still do like the um, like hall in, in Alice Toy Barn of just buzzes. <laughs> I like that too. And uh, then there's also Barbie's Isle. Yes, I love um, one of my favorite scenes. It's just like the whole tour when Barbie gives a tour to like the toys. It's like my favorite scene, how they go like the different aisles and stuff and show them around. And I love I like that. It's funny. Uh, I mean, this is the one also in actually had a real villain other than just um, Sid. Like, the first one had Sid. This one actually had a villain for the toys to overcome in uh, Stinky Pete. Mm-hmm. And he... Like, this thing is that him and Lotso in Toy Story 3 are a lot of the pretty much same. Like, the reasoning is just, like, the, like kids are terrible. Like, they'll forget about you. Like you don't need children, kind of a thing. Yeah, I was I was just about to say that um, that I think they're almost the same. But I think that Stinky Pete comes from a place of not just bareness towards children, but also of inexperience because he has never been held. He's never been opened. Yeah. So it comes from a place of just being bare out of inexperience. And then you have Lotso into three who's different than that, who's more than that. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Um So if you if you had to pick like a favorite scene out of Toy Story Two, what would you say? Oh, I was just about to bring up um I don't know if it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite scenes. I don't know if it's my favorite scene. Um, uh, one that is funny is just the traffic cone scene where they cause <laughs> a massive pile up. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, uh, oh, go you, on. oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go on. Go on. Um, have you seen the shorts on Disney Plus? The Pixar in real life. No, I haven't actually. Like I, I yeah, that's the one thing on Disney Plus I wanted to check out, but I haven't. It's it's super cool. I highly suggest going to check them out if you haven't seen them. Um but there's like so they basically just take things out of Pixar movies and they 
make it real and they see how people react to it. And for like the Toy Story one, they set up like cones in the road and they, I don't know how they do it, some technical thing where they have the cones actually get up and start moving like they're going across like a road and they see how people react that it's like walking on the street or like how cars react and stuff um but they have cones and they just get up and start walking um so then it's really funny and they have they just have some really cool ideas um they have an inside out one um, I won't I won't tell you everything because I'll let you go watch them. But they have a Wally one too that's really funny, and they have an Inside Out one, and they have a Finding Dory one, I believe. Um, but one time I just sat and like watched them all, and they're super cool. So you got to go check them out. I think actually I did try and watch the Inside Out one, but then I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of weird. Like, it's just, like, the control centers that they had. Yeah, that one. Like, I thought there'd be more to it, um, but then, yeah, I, I didn't check out the others, but I need to. Yeah, the Inside Out one is definitely, like, the least, like, the least they could do, because obviously they can't really bring joy and sadness into the world without it being obvious that it would just be, like, people in costumes. But, like, the other ones, they actually bring characters as much as possible into this um so it's really good the inside out one is just kind of like a simple one um but the other ones are super cool oh can we going back to toy story 2 just talking about like how cool the display of woody's roundup is that's what i was going to mention too that's one of my favorite scenes as well um, wait, are you talking? Are you talking about? You're talking about the TV show? Uh, not just TV show, but no, but like when they, um, when Woody discovers like all the merchandise. Yeah, that's this, that's the scene I was talking about. Um, like that when he looks and like the song that's playing, like the score and him looking at all the merchandise and him checking it all out. That's one of my favorite scenes too. I love it. Yeah, the um, the hat that blows bubbles and everything, the record player, them hanging out on the record player. Yeah. Or when he finds the boot and he's like, ah, oh, there's a snake in my boot. I get it. Like, I think that's funny. And that's a good one. My boyfriend, uh, he admitted to me like a couple days ago, he listens to the song that plays in the background like the score of when he discovers all his merchandise because that's one of his favorite scenes and he was like yeah I'll admit sometimes when I'm driving if I have a long drive I'll listen to that and I'll just reminisce on the quality of the scene and like Woody discovering everything and he's a big fan of that so I was like good to know because <laughs> it is a good score Oh, we didn't even mention um, Woody losing his arms throughout this movie. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, it shows that, you know, Woody's not indestructible, and he and that's also what starts him on the whole thing of he can't be forgotten by being put up on the shelf. 
Yeah, that's uh that's a pretty significant part in the beginning. This is the one where like oh, it just pops in my mind. The scene where like Woody imagines what it would be like to be thrown away and he and like Andy's looking in like the garbage bag and he's like, Bye Woody and he's like falling down the garbage bag. I forgot that that happens. Yeah, then we also meet Wheezy and that whole uh, situation that happens with him almost being sold. Um, I I like Buster too. We meet Buster and he gives all the toys a ride and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, between uh, Toy Story one, the ending when like uh, the surprise of it is like, oh, a puppy, and like the look of fear on their faces, and then you have by Toy Story two the beginning, yeah, like, he's, yeah, yeah, he's become like uh, Woody's helper. Yeah, I like how they made sure that it happened, like instead of just saying that he got a puppy and it's just like a funny scene and then like they could just totally not have a dog and like they probably could have got away with it and stuff but I like how they actually carried that through and introduced the dog in the second one and actually made him significant to the toys um, instead of just like have a dog barking in the background or something I like how they actually paid attention to that because then he's also in Toy Story 3 he's super old <laughs> slow and stuff. That's one of my favorite scenes in the third one, is when he calls for Buster. Yeah, he's still a puppy here, and uh, we see, yeah, we do see him just as a growing-up dog, and also, we also get to see how much, like, how far, like, the animation comes. Like, they, like, they actually put, like, gray hairs within Buster's, like, coat and everything. Yeah. He's fat. <laughs> Um, fun fact, just a little story about this. Um, so, like, my brother's name is Andy, and Andy's the main character in Toy Story. Well, not the main character, but a big character in Toy Story. Um, and then, like, my family and I just keep finding connections to Toy Story because... So there's Andy and Andy, and then, um, actually, Sid's little sister, Hannah... Um, I have a connection with her because, uh, well, fun fact, I'm adopted. And um, when I was in the hospital before my parents adopted me, my parents adopted me like two days after I was born. So I was never in like a foster home or anything. But while I was in the hospital before my parents picked me up, they had to like name me. So I had a name and stuff like that. And they actually named me Hannah. But then they... But then, like, my parents adopted me and picked out a different name. But so, like, when her name was Hannah, my brother was like, that was your name in the hospital. So it's like, we're both in the movie. And the girl kind of looks like what I looked like when I was younger, too. And then also, Buster comes in and, um, I like, I don't know if he's exactly this kind of dog, but he kind of does look like a wiener dog, like a dachshund. Um because he's kind of long and he's got the short little legs and the big ears and stuff so he looks like a dachshund kind of and we had a dachshund if only his name was Buster but it's not it was Max but we had a dachshund at the time too and we were like oh my god like 
he kind of looks like Max. And so my family just kept finding connections to the movies. So we were like, I don't know. I just thought that was really cool. And I kind of wanted to flex on that. So That's cool. I didn't, uh, I didn't know you were adopted. Yes, I am. Not a lot of people do, but if you were to see me, well, not really. A lot of people are surprised when I tell them I'm adopted because I look like my family, but I'm 6'3", and my dad's the next tallest, and he's only like 5'11", 6 foot. So then people are like, oh, that kind of makes sense because my mom is short, and my brother's just kind of like average height. So kind of makes sense. But yeah, little fun fact about Jen's life. But we thought... Like, that was why my brother and I love Toy Story so much, because, like, we related to them so much. So, cool little story for y'all. That's cool. Um, So, where would you rank Toy Story 2, though? Yeah, so, I said before it was at the bottom of my list, but now after rewatching it... um. I, it didn't go up too much, but it actually went up to third on my list. So, Toy Story 1 is at the top, and Toy Story 2 is the third. So, well, what about you? I, this one's hard, just because Jesse's scene is, has so much weight to it in terms of the movie, and also what comes next through the entire company but I still think that it's third for me too oh wow I'm interested to see where the next two lie then because you got first and second spot and I like Toy Story 2 is is odd just because also it's like I said it's beginning of the it's kind of the beginning of the end for these characters in terms of their relationship with Andy, like realizing that there is a date pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then we can transition into Toy Story 3 and we actually see, like I said, we see that in real time what that date is. Exactly. I just, I never, I never realized how well, like, like I think the order is really well done and they set it up very well like obviously they're they probably did it on purpose but i didn't really notice that until i rewatched them and like um actually talked about it with some people and now we're talking about it now um i never realized how much we were like set up to get to this point in toy story within the past movies so i applaud that i mean there's the setup and also the fact that they put Toy Story 3 on the back burner for years in between. I mean, what, what was the Toy Story 3 came out, what, 2011? Sounds about right. I'm not... And Toy Story 2 came out in 1999. So wow. they let that go for a long time. And I think, I almost want to say it's, it was on purpose. Because by the time... You get to Toy Story three if you've been if you've watched these as they came out or nearly as they came out. Like I I can remember kind of seeing Toy Story two in a theater. So by the time you get to that point in Toy Story three, you're almost close to Andy's age, or you are at Andy's age. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's what I heard, like, for the, that's what my brother always tells me, because he was, um, he's, he's like 30, 30 years old. No, exactly. he actually just turned 31. Um, so he was, he fairly remembers from Toy Story 1 all the way to 4, like, he was there for it all. And he said, like, you kind of, like, the kids that were there about Andy's age in Toy Story 1, you kind of grow up with Andy. And so I totally agree that they probably did it on purpose because these kids who have been there since the first one, um, like, they grew up with him and they're about the same age. And he kind of said, like, he, like, felt that. And so he was a lot more connected to it. And it was super emotional by the third one um, because he felt like almost the same way and he's about the same age. And then, um, so there's a lot more connection with that and they like definitely did that on purpose. And so that certain like age group is like so attached to it and they feel so much more emotion rather than like me who didn't watch it right when they came out. Um, Yeah, I appreciate how they did that too because that must be really cool because then when like toy story land opened in uh hollywood studios my brother was like beyond excited and like connected to it he's like you don't understand like he's like i just have this really like this attachment to the movies and now they made a land so like he was super like blown away when we entered the land and like it took him back to when he was a kid like all the toys and stuff and how like you're supposed to feel like the size of a toy in Toy Story Land, like everything. Cause he like also had all those toys because he loved Toy Story so much that he wanted like all the toys in there. So we had like the slinky dog thing and um, he had green army men, Woody and Buzz, just about the whole gang. And so when Toy Story Land opened, he was like super like, Oh my God, this is so cool. He's like, this is so cool for like the age group um, for my age group because were attached to it in a certain way, but yeah, I agree with you that they definitely did that on purpose for those kids, and that's super cool, and I can't, I'm kind of jealous. I wish I was kind of in that age group to experience it like that. Yeah, it it's weird. Like, I like the fact that they took their time to actually um, do the sequels to a lot of their original Pixar movies, like the classic Pixar movies. Like, um, It's funny that Toy Story 3 is Andy going off to college, but then the next sequels that uh, that they have is Monsters University of them being in college. Oh yeah, I didn't realize that. That's cool. They definitely do things for a reason, and that's what I love about Disney too. Is you might not realize it until a certain point in time, but they do like everything for a reason. Um, but we can, unless you have anything else to say about Toy Story 2, we can move on to the third one. No, I think it's about time to hit three completely. Okay. Um, if you want to go ahead and start your talk on Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3 is, I think kind of the perfect ending to wrap up the toys relationship with Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said before, we actually see now in real time when that time is for the toys to move on. 
we like they talked about in Toy Story two, and now we're seeing it how it plays out and what how that affects each of them. Having them also have Lotso in there being the villain is important. I think that having a toy that actually experienced everything they experienced and becoming bitter from it, like we like Jesse had abandonment issues from dealing with it the first time. And we see that Lotso is on the other side of it, just being completely bitter, anger, you know, angry, and having those same issues, but turning them against other people or other toys, at least. Yeah. And how that affects them. And then we also see that that by them sticking together and choosing not to be that way, that they're actually able to grow and move on. Right. Um, I really love how, like, kind of like you said, how we, this is like the perfect movie to real, like where they realize their place. Um, cause like in the beginning, that scene where they try to get Andy to notice them when they like steal the phone and they call the phone. So Andy's got to look through the toy chest. Um, I feel like they just give us, like, they kind of give the audience and the toys one last shot. And then that's when everybody realizes, like, it's over with. I mean, except for Woody, kind of. But that's when the toys start realizing, like, yeah, he's not here anymore. He's grown up. He's done with us. Like, we need to do something or something's going to happen. And I feel like everybody, like, we have that last, like, maybe. But then it's just not happening. And everybody realizes it at once. And they give us that last shot. Um, But I think. I that scene's really important. That scene's really upsetting too. But it's like, yeah, it's time. We need to let go. And then that starts the whole journey of everybody realizes it, except for Woody, obviously. Um, but then through the movie, by the end, obviously him putting himself in that box, I think that shows that he realizes it as well. So they do they do really a really good job at wrapping that up i also like that um like i said i feel like it is the perfect ending to this story because toy story one opens from uh the toys perspective on andy playing with them like it's uh, like it's very simple like like but then when we get to toy story three we get to see like how Andy perceives how the, playing with the toys, like this big grand epic in his room. Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty much the same. It's almost the same story. A lot of it. You know I mean, like, uh, like they bring up like one eye, you know, one eyed Peter, whatever his, uh, they named Miss Potato Head for it and stuff like that. Like, um, I have my dog that's a forest field and everything, and then Rex comes in. Like they do a lot of the same stuff, but it's just from Andy's own mind, like what that looks like. Yeah, yeah, I really like how they started with that. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess I didn't know if we wanted to wait till Toy Story four. Well, I guess never mind. I'm not going to ask this question because I'm going to wait till we get to Toy Story four to talk about this. But it's just like it is a burning question. But um, to continue with just Toy Story three, um, I don't know. I like 
I like a lot of the scenes in there. I like the whole daycare idea. Um, and it just, I don't know. I think, I think Lotso, like you were saying before, Lotso's a good villain where he is like the opposite and turns away from, like turns bitter about being with a kid and stuff. And I love, uh, every time I'm just blown away by the plan they make to escape like I'm like this plan is so detailed and so like good and it just f- like event after event like it has like every event has to happen in order for it like every time they come to like the plan I'm like wow they are smart they are really detailed about this and I like it's more than one scene, obviously, but I love watching their plan to escape every time because it's so, like, it's got a certain order to everything. Um, and then Buzz goes to Spanish mode, and that's funny, too. But I I really love their plan to escape. I love watching it. I really like um, when Bonnie finds uh, Woody and Honestly, if you go back to if you go forward in a Toy Story four, it makes sense this connection that Bonnie is the one that conv- that helps convince Woody that there is life after Andy. Mm-hmm. And we see that how that plays out in Toy Story four, really. But yeah, this is the beginning of Woody's mentality slightly changing and him realizing that, like I said before, that these toys are kind of their guardians that it's okay for him to let go. Like this is uh, like this is the end for that. Yeah. Cuz I mean, I mean, I guess it does happen in Toy Story 2. Um but like for a while Woody doesn't even realize that there's like life outside of Andy's room because he's been in, stuck in Andy's room. He's been Andy's toy and stuff and I mean in Toy Story 2 he discovers life outside of it, but not really kid-wise because he just sees that he could go to a museum or, like, other people, like, look up to Woody and all that stuff. But then he doesn't realize the kid thing, but then, like like you said in Toy Story 3, he does realize that there is an actual, like, huge life outside of Andy's room and he can get passed on to another kid and he can do this over and over again. But Woody has this mentality that it's one and done. And like every toy has one kid. And once that kid is done, like you've served. But so like my question is, I mean, obviously, if you were to destroy a toy, they would like die, I guess. But do toys really have like toys don't really die. They could live literally forever if they just got passed on. They don't like age or anything. They don't. Like, they are just one age and one personality and one person for the rest of their life, which I kind of just realized they, like, they don't die, (laughs) which is kind of weird. I mean, obviously, toys don't die in real life, too, but, like, I don't know. I just realized that they, they could literally live for 200 years as the same exact person, the same exact quality if they were to just keep getting passed on from kid to kid. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I and mean, they're pretty much immortal. I mean, we do get the idea with that Woody is very old, actually. 
which does bring up an actual kind of a, almost a plot hole in throughout the Toy Story franchise that if he if Woody is that old that he's from Woody's Roundup, how would Andy still be his only kid? Yeah. Yeah, he is pretty old. Like he like from what you get from Toy Story Two is that Woody's Roundup was actually on before Sputnik launched in Russia, so the fifties. Right. And yeah, he hasn't aged a day. Yeah, so then you kind of have to think. If that's true, then then like really, when did Toy Story one take place? Um, it depends on what theory you go with. Um, because there's there's some theory that um is out there that Jesse was actually um uh Andy's mom's toy. Yeah, I've seen that. Because I. Because how else would she know that Woody exists at all? And also the fact that um, the hat that he that Andy wears throughout it is actually Jesse's hat. Yeah, I've seen that too. So then that makes well. So then would that would that make Jesse older than Woody? Um. N- no, like they'd be pretty much the same age, pretty much. It's just that Jesse's had more experience. I think it's it's odd. It really is. It's kind of almost a plot hole. I've never really thought about that side of it. Um, but yeah, cause, well, technically, I mean, they might be like the same age, but but like you said, Jesse's actually lived and been off the shelf longer than Woody has because if 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 she's Andy's mom's toy obviously Andy's mom was like a kid and Jesse lived through all that and then she lived years underneath the bed then she finally got sent away but then Andy's mom had to grow up all the way to an adult get married have a kid then have Andy and then at some point Andy took Woody off the shelf or however he got Woody but then Woody was taken off the shelf, if you want to say they bought him at a store. So then Jesse's had all that time, you know, in the maybe in the box, wherever they were to get to the museum, whatever life she had. She had all that time before Woody actually came into like existence. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we've seen that she was in the boxes for years she was in storage boxes for years that's where her biggest fears come from wow that's awful <laughs> now do you like think about it it's awful she just had to stare at a black like stare into darkness for how many years yeah that's why she has panic attacks every time they try and get her to go into a box yeah <laughs> wow i just i never i never like thought about it if she's truly andy's mom's toy how like much like older quote unquote not t- technically in years but like how much older she is than Woody so she's really more OG than Woody is she's like been she's, through it all man she's more experienced yeah. for sure but um, 
back to Toy Story 3, kind of talking about theories. Have you seen, like, the theory of, like, how Toy Story 3 represents, like, the Holocaust? I think I have. I mean, I... <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Just no. Yeah. It, that's too no. harsh. <laughs> If you really think about it, yes, it lines up and like some things line up, but it's just no. No, it it it, Way it too does. Hard. No, it's um I mean it's just Pixar's take on and like a prison escape movie like The Great Escape or something like that. It's not meant to be played out that way. Yeah. Um I guess for listeners, if you're listening and you've never heard this theory, um, there's a theory that Toy Story 3 represents the Holocaust. So Lotso is Hitler and the daycare is like a concentration camp and Aunt, all of Andy's toys kind of represent like or anybody who's in the Caterpillar room are um, the Jews because they send them off to this awful place and the butterfly room is the Nazis or whatever. And you just kind of see Lotso develop into that Hitler personality and he's the leader of it all. He says what he says, everything's done. And like, and then at the end, the big scene where they go into the fire, it's almost like they're going to get burned like Jews did during this time. And because like Lotso gets up there and then he turns on him still being Hitler and he says like have fun I'm not saving you and he lets them get burned so there's theories out there that it represents the Holocaust and like I saw that I was like oh my god that's so dark yeah I I, I don't <laughs> accept those at all <laughs> although I do like the cameo they have for Sid in this Yes, I do too. He's the garbage man. He's the garbage man. <laughs> Who collects toys. Yeah. Even though he should be terrified and scared and mentally deranged when it comes to toys. <laughs> I wonder what happened to him. I feel like they could make a side movie of Sid going through like therapy. <laughs> Like his life, he probably went through therapy because he started screaming about how these toys were talking to him, got sent away, came back, got himself a job as a garbage man and had a life. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think Toy Story 3 is still their crowning achievement in terms of ending, wrapping up a story. Of Andy's story, at least, like the um, scene where he passes along to Bonnie all the toys, still gets to me. Oh my god, that's so sad! And when when Bonnie makes Woody wave to him. Oh, and he yeah, and and that moment when he just kind of is taken back by it. Yeah, he's just like, oh my god, that's Woody! Like he's actually saying bye to me because Woody probably actually is saying bye to him, and I'm like, oh my god. I cry every time at that part. Telling you, I mean it. It's so long, partner. Yeah, and like I, I love how 
they end it looking up into the clouds and then it forms into the clouds that starts Toy Story 1. Yeah, yeah. Like in a lot of ways this is. This is a this would have been a great ending. Um Toy Story 4 though happens and a lot of people feel it's unnecessary, but yeah, it, it I think that it does expand where it needed to. Right. That was going to be if you're good to move on to Toy Story 4, that was my burning question and like the question is like should Toy Story 4 even exist? Um, but real quick though, I think that Toy Story 3 is the best one. I think that's my number one. Is it? Yeah, like I said, because what they what they did was it was just so well done. Like the ending when Andy goes on and on about Woody mm-hmm. as appreciation. And here's the thing is I like the fact that also he's saying all this without ever knowing just how much Woody had done for him. Yeah. Like, he doesn't know just how many times, like, the toys have actually been there for him. It's just from being, but like, being in his own mind that he has this connection. Yeah, I agree with that. Because I, I like how when he, like, he, like, he doesn't plan on he plans on bringing Woody to college and then he's in the box and Bonnie tries to reach for him and Andy still hesitates. Like he pulls away and he's like, no, like this is mine. But then he like looks at Woody and he's like, oh my God, like I want this to happen to another kid. I think he realizes that in his mind, like how much Woody did. And I, and it's almost like he realizes like, obviously he didn't see it all happen, but how much Woody plays a significance in your childhood. And then he realizes like, I need this to happen to another child. I need Woody to be there for another person. I don't need him anymore. And then he passes him on the Bonnie. And I'm like, look at you, Andy, growing up. Where would you rank it? Um, so it's funny because like, I totally agree with everything you're saying. And it's like significance, but it's actually at the bottom of my list. Um. Ow. <laughs> well, I was hurt when you put one at the bottom of your list. We have the we have the opposites. We have them flipped, so we both kind of hurt each other. But yeah, it's just at the bottom. I don't know. I always flip around three and four sometimes. Like sometimes I watch three and I'm like, no, it's better than four. And then I watch four and I'm like, oh, I I like this and I like that and. And they're kind of interchangeable for me in their spots in Toy Story 2. I stuck in between them, but which kind of, I mean, obviously you would know, but kind of spoils Toy Story 4 second on my list. So it'd be one, four, two, three. Um, But then in like four and three, I always kind of go back. I'm like, I don't know if I want to officially change my ranking on them every time I watch three because... I realized some things, but then I realized some things when I watched four also. So they're kind of interchangeable, but for right now, it's the bottom of my list. (sighs) All right, moving on. Whatever. So moving on to the problem movie of the four, if you will, because it's so 50-50 in the Toy Story population. 
Um, because people just question its existence. Toy Story 4. Did it really need to happen? I don't know. Um, I mean, Toy Story 3 wraps up Andy's story, but it doesn't really wrap up their story. And I think Toy Story 4 is important because it does, in some way, wrap up Woody's story. Like there's still yeah. like there's still room for there to be like a sequel or something like that. There's still stories to tell, but I think the significance of Toy Story Four, looking back on the franchise, is that you realize this is Woody's story. Like all of this has been leading to this moment. This is like all of this has actually been like as much as like it's been about Buzz and Woody and them be growing up and everything and Andy. This is Woody's story. Right. I can see that. But you know, like, I understand that Woody is like the toy. And like, everybody's like, well, he's Andy's toy and stuff. But in my perspective, I don't think Woody has that much of significance where he deserves an ending and the other toys don't really deserve one. Like, I mean, technically they have an ending where they go back to Bonnie, sure. But, like you said, like, this is Woody's story, like, how he ends and stuff. But, sure, Woody was the first toy, but Buzz comes in and easily replaces Woody through Andy's eyes for a while. And so he has about just as much significance as Woody does, I believe. And... That's one little fly we'll say in Toy Story 4 that I agree with people. Like, I don't think Woody. Like, I think it's a little unfair that Woody gets this, like, nice bow on his life and stuff. Like, tie it, we're all good. And then the rest of the toys just get thrown back to Bonnie, and, like, we don't really know what happens to them. I mean, Toy Story 4 is has the biggest flaw in my opinion just in terms of how they handled Buzz at all Um, he became a secondary character for reasons like I don't he became a dumb secondary character yeah I like like, uh, uh, I I was saying to you before any of this um, why does it now just now Buzz figures out that you can have a conscience, like you can actually think. Like that doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't in terms of what we've seen his character from one through three. Yeah, he should be pretty self-aware by now. I agree with that, and he's not. So, yeah, I from the start, I've kind of said that they didn't really pay attention to Buzz as much as they should have. He played a bigger role in the other movies. In the fourth one, he kind of just gets tossed in there. So I agree with that. I um, I was just thinking about this, though, that I kind of like the fact that in Toy Story, because this has a little bit of similarities to Toy Story 2 in terms of something is trying to pull Woody away from what he thinks is his duty, what his what his mission in life is, pretty much, you know, be the toy that's there for the kid. But the difference, though, is that 
with this one, Buzz does try and save him, like in Toy Story 2, but with this one, he also sees that maybe it actually is for, in Woody's best interest, to leave. Mm-hmm. And I think that there there's a difference, like, I think, uh, like, I do like the fact that Buzz is okay with it. Like, he sees what uh, what's happening, and he actually accepts it. Oh, shoot. I just had a thought, and then it just ran away. I had a thought about something. Um, oh, I was going to say, one thing I do really like about this movie is how, like, even though Woody wants the attention, and obviously he's upset that he doesn't get played with, he's waiting for Bonnie just to pick him again, he even, he still puts other people before himself, which he's kind of been doing with Andy. He's always put Andy before himself and stuff like that. And in Toy Story 2, he almost slipped up, but then Buzz was like, snap out of it. But Toy Story 4, because like, like, people always say like in the end, like, well, if his whole point was to be with Andy and be there for a kid, why does he run away in the first place? That's so dumb of him. But we also see in the beginning, like, he, like, goes to kindergarten with Bonnie, and he realizes that not necessarily that it's him, but it's Forky. And, like, he keeps saying, like, this toy is the most important thing in Bonnie's life right now, and we need to protect him at all costs, like, for Bonnie. Like, everything's for Bonnie at that point. And he still has that idea of putting the kid before himself, even though the kid's not even paying attention to him. And is like leaving him in the closet. He's still that loyal. And he still does all that. So like people always say like. Oh he just screws it all up in the end. And they don't acknowledge that like. Even though it was just a spork. And all the toys were like. He's a spork just throw him away. He's like no he's super important to Bonnie. We need to keep him. And we see how much Bonnie loves this little fork. And nobody realizes except for Woody. But I really like how Woody's character is still. Even though he's thrown away in the closet, he could have just gave up. And like the other toys, like Lotso and Jesse, he could have turned bitter about it and said, like, my kid doesn't love me anymore. I don't need a kid. He doesn't get bitter about it. And he still realizes how important Forky is. And he does everything that he can to save him. And then in the end, he realizes that Bonnie's done and kids are done with him. Like both Andy and Bonnie are now done with him. But he doesn't like get bitter about it or get mad or anything. He just realizes that he could have this different life instead of sitting in the closet back at Bonnie's. And so he decides to move on and become a lost toy. So I don't necessarily agree that he was super selfish and just did what he wanted to do because it was time anyway. And he knew that the rest of them were going to protect Bonnie at all costs. And as long as Forky was there, Bonnie was going to be okay. And I think that was a good time for him to let go and go live a different life where he's going to get played with and he can save other toys. But they keep his personality going on through Toy Story 4, I believe, even though he turns at the end. Yeah, I... Well... Woody in Toy Story 4... It, it's... I think it's actually okay that he does... that. He's a little selfish in terms of I want to go and be with Bo Peep and have like 
help well, you know help other toys and stuff like that. Like it's not that it, it. I think it's actually a good growth to his character in terms of. I want to help more than just one child at a time. I want to help more than one toy than just the ones that I know and stuff. Mm-hmm. To turn into pretty, pretty much like a guardian angel for these toys and stuff. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, because Toy Story one, uh, like I said before, like Toy Story two, kind of starts them becoming like guardians to these children in a little bit of a way, and then Toy Story four is a story after that. Toy Story four is almost a story of, like, almost of a parent after their child leaves for college and stuff and leaves the nest in turn. So it's. A story of pretty much finding, like Woody finding himself, finding out what he wants, not just what he thinks is in the best interest of the child that he's, you know, that owns him, but like what does, it, you know, like for the first time he actually has to like think about that part of it. Bo Peep challenges that, like, what do you want? Because mm-hmm. so much of his life has just been dedicated to just, the, like you said, just the child. Has been so dedicated to helping keep make sure the child is happy and has the best life possible. What he can do, yeah. Well, that's what like at first when Bo Peep comes and she says like, "Nope, I just live my own life. I don't have a kid." What he thinks it's absolutely insane, and he's like, "No way! Like your point is to be with a kid. Like that's your purpose. Like there's no other purpose for a toy. Like we can't do that. Like you're crazy." And I like how they still kept his mentality at first. Like, he didn't just go, oh, yeah, good point. I don't want to be with Bonnie anymore. Like, he still is, like, thinks that's nuts. But then but then he makes sure that Bonnie is secure. And he makes sure that she will be okay. Like, especially that moment will, when... Um, that moment when Buzz, like, reaches to, reaches to him and say, hey, like it will be okay. And he looks at him, he goes, Bonnie will be okay. And that was Woody's purpose was to like, make sure that Bonnie is okay. And like giving her Forky and saving Forky and doing all this, that was like his role. And like, I like how Buzz kind of realizes it too. He's not just like abandoning Buzz with no purpose or anything. Like Buzz realizes like, yeah, like it will be okay. You've done your thing go do what you want to do and then he like moves on but he has this like development of thoughts like it's not just an automatic thing he's like you're crazy Bo and then he realizes that he's done his deed and he moves on so like in a way yes he like in a way yes he's a little selfish and he just goes does what he wants but it's not an automatic thing he develops into that kind of person and he does his deed before he moves on, even for a kid that doesn't even want him. So I I don't necessarily agree with all like the hate on it and I think it's still a good thing. Yes, it could have like never happened and everything would be fine because like they ended Toy Story 3 very, very well and we could have just been left with, oh, they went to Bonnie, they had a great life, Bonnie played with them, whatever. Like, yes, it it would be fine if it didn't happen, but it did happen and they didn't get too carried away with it and they still 
tied everything together and it served its purpose and it, you really but you really got to dig deep into it to realize why things happen if you're not connected with the toy stories and you're not like analyzing what's really happening then yes it's probably going to be a sucky movie but you have to realize what's actually happening and they did a pretty good job with it i mean like uh, uh, like if you watched them all pretty much you you realize how much woody has earned this moment mm-hmm. he had like like he has earned the uh, the right to be able to do that uh, to be able to choose something for himself completely selfishly almost um even but even in his most selfish moments it's to help other people it's still to help other toys it's still the uh, um i like how the villain of the movie is not a villain Mm-hmm. How eventually he just comes to the realization of no, she just needs a a kid and she's never had one. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and like that's just like another point where Wood realizes that you just got to do what's best for a kid because at first he's like, "Oh, Gabby, come be with Bonnie," like she'll love you come do this and then they see the lost kid and they all realize like what needs to happen and so even though it wasn't gabby's first plan and what he wanted to just take her and give her to a kid he also stopped and realized he put this kid first too who was lost and scared and he was like and gabby realized it too but then he realizes yes gabby needs to go do that and they stop right in their tracks before getting back to the trailer and helps this other another child that Woody doesn't even know um and helps her and gives Gabby Gabby to her and so Gabby Gabby gets a life and then they continue on to save another child and Woody's just a hero (laughs) I mean I like the fact that they deal with um especially with Gabby's character like what you have planned isn't going to work out but also what might uh, what might you get out of it is might be better like her initial plan was entirely for um the store owner's granddaughter to be her owner harmony yeah harmony like that's uh, like that was her like that was her drive that was her focus for everything that she did and then the reality is that harmony had no interest and and even when they were going through all of that to try and get to Bonnie and give her to Bonnie, it, it's it's like it's okay that your plan fails, but there's something better here in the little girl that's lost. You can actually really support this little girl who's lost, and Bonnie does is not doesn't need it, but this little girl does. Yeah. Um. Yeah, for sure. You know, I really wish, though, like, I understand why, I understand in a perspective why they didn't pull Andy into this movie, but I think what would have been really cool and just a really good addition and just kind of like a flashback back to, like, the first movies and stuff, especially for that age group that's, like, been with it from the start, 
I think it would have been really cool if that girl that found Gabby Gabby ended up being like Andy's daughter and like the parents would have been Andy and like his wife and that would have been like his child and G- Gabby Gabby would have gone to like his child or something like if they would have showed and it would have been like Andy as the dad that found her I think that would have been really cool it would have been cool it wouldn't have made sense though, just because of the fact that like Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 4 are like only a few months apart in terms of like their their timeline yeah I guess like only like what about I think nine-ish months apart because because uh, if, you, if you also count the specials like Christmas already happened for Bonnie and stuff like that so it's the next year but it's probably about like nine months ish oh and I guess I guess I never really realized that so like yeah like I said I understand why they wouldn't bring Andy back and it's fine and stuff but if they would have played it out right they could have made Andy like the dad and I think that would have been really cool yeah I what I also like about this movie just in general though also is that you're right, they could have ended Toy Story 3 and that could have been the happy ending for these toys but Toy Story in general has also not really been too afraid to like hold back anything so like the reality is like, like Toy Story 2 you will be forgotten like your child will move on from you mm-hmm and stuff like that. And Toy Story 3, we watched that happen. We watched him being passed on and stuff. And you can and like, you can want to have Bonnie be the happy ending, but then Toy Story 4 is kind of the reality of it. It's no, you, like, you don't really always get the happy ending. There's life after that, and the life after that sometimes doesn't work out as you hoped. And that's what we find out for Woody. It kind of ropes back in also the villains that have been in the last couple movies because they that's what they've been trying to point out um, in an evil way. But they've been trying to point out like you will be forgotten about like you're just going to get passed on to the next kid. Your kid's going to forget about you like it's bound to happen. And then it actually does happen. Um, and that goes right along with what you just said. So that's kind of ironic as well. Uh, but I, um, just for like the funny moments though, this movie, I like the um, bunny and duck stuff. <laughs> duck <plush funny>. <laughs> yeah, they're really funny. Um, I mean, th- their entire plan to get the keys. <laughs> yes, that's. That I was when we talked about favorite scenes, that was gonna be one of my favorite scenes. Was in there like, oh, plush rush. Yeah. That's what it is. It's plus, yeah, that's why I couldn't think of the name of it. Plush rush. Yeah. Or like, uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> and all their plans are just them just attacking. Yeah, and like the the last one when it's like takes so long, and she's like, "Where is this going?" And they're like, "Just wait." And then they're at like her house, and they <laughs> attack her sleep. Um, yeah, I think they definitely like the I feel like this is the most emotional one at the end, but it's also the funniest, I think. Like they brought in a lot of humor with it being also super emotional and it's like it's gonna tear your heart out at the end. Um 
but it's super funny. I also like how, like, one of my favorite parts is um, when they're trying to figure out what to do, and uh, Buttercup keeps saying, like, let's put that, let's put dad in jail. And they're like, no, we're not putting dad in jail. And then, like, at the end, when they, like, destroy the RV and they do all this stuff, and, like, the cops are there, and uh, Buttercup goes, dad's totally going to jail. <laughs> like, I think that's funny. <laughs> yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah the ending is heartbreaking in a lot of ways but also it's uh, affirming as well i mean uh woody giving up his uh, voice box to gabby gabby yeah that's just that just backs up my point before of how Woody just keeps putting people before himself and he's allowed to be selfish in the end he freaking goes through surgery and it's like almost like donating an organ like (laughs) saves a life by giving her his voice box uh I he gives um he passes on the badge to Jesse Mm -hmm. and he lets her be the sheriff yeah oh my god I just he is he's deserving of it he's the best um I was gonna say something else too oh I like how also when like Woody and Forky are walking back um after Forky jumps out the window when they're walking back and they're talking about like like Woody's telling him the story about Buzz and Forky he's like he actually thought he was a spaceman and he's like that's crazy and Woody's like I know that's what I was saying <laughs> I think that's ironic and funny yeah uh, the walk yeah the walk back's really good just it's <laughs> also it it, it it's you know and, you know um what are you trying to explain the existence of toys mm-hmm. to Forky like why do you exist yeah Um, I think at least I think I honestly rank this as number two for me. Oh wait, uh, yeah, number two. Yeah, it's my number two as well. So far, I'm, I kind of like I said before, I interchanged two and three. I mean four and three, but I've been keeping up, keeping four up there for a while. Cause, like the first time I saw it, I instantly like fell in love with it. I was like, oh my god, that was great. I cried, I laughed, I did almost everything, I was happy, I understood, like, I connected to Woody and understood exactly what he was doing, like, it's like you almost give that head nod of, like, you don't want to let go of Woody, and you don't, obviously, you don't want him to leave, but, like, all those things happen, and he says bye to everyone, you just kind of give that head nod, it's like, all right, Woody, you go do what you need to do, and, like, you understand, so, um, so yeah, my it's second on my list as well. I was numb to this movie when I first saw it. Like I, I just couldn't believe. I'm like, I can't believe that they separated Buzz and Woody. Like, mm-hmm. like Toy Story Land was just built. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of that's something too that I kind of considered as well. With Toy Story Four, like Toy Story Land was out, and then they just like ripped the gang apart. So like now when I go in Toy Story Land, I'm like wait a second, like, this is taking me back to the first movie, definitely not the fourth one, because 
all that happens, but it is it doesn't exactly line up, but it's okay. Yeah, I well, I I just remember like, like I need to process this. Like I can't believe they actually broke up the, the you know Woody and Buzz by yeah. the end of this movie. But now looking back at, on it, I'm okay with it. Mhm. Me too. But yeah, so that is all the Toy Stories. Do you have anything else to add to any? No. No, I think so. No, I think we're good. Have you have anything else? No, I don't think so. I'm glad I got to give my two cents and defend Toy Story 4 because really I haven't really met anybody that has agreed with me. Like a lot of my friends and uh, my boyfriend, they don't really like Toy Story 4. They think it was unnecessary. They think it's ridiculous how they pulled apart Buzz and Woody, what the three movies have been developing. And I've tried defending it, but nobody has really been on my side. So I'm glad I just get to talk about it. And whether listeners, whether you agree with me or not, or you agree with other people, um, but I'm glad I got to defend it. But, um, But yeah, so... Our listeners and our fans, we would love to hear your input on this as well. Um, like I say in like the closeout of every episode, we have our social media. Reach out to us. Tell us what you think about it. Do you think Toy Story 4 should exist? Um, which one's your favorite? Give, favorite? Give us your rankings. Give us your two cents about anything, if you agree with any of us. Um, and send it in to us. We really want to interact with our listeners and this is a great time to do it. So, but with that being said, to kind of close off, we have our Disney question of the day, and it is Drew's turn. So, Drew, let me hear it. All right. If you ever got a Disney tattoo, what would it be of? <laughs> Fun fact I actually have one. Oh, you do? I did. Well, kind of. So, I have a tattoo right now. It's a charm bracelet on my ankle, and each charm represents something in my life. And I actually have the castle as one of my charms. Um, and it just kind of represents my love for Disney. So I actually have one, but I actually have one. Like my next tattoo, I have it planned. It's a Disney one, and um, so I guess this would be the answer to my question because I've always wanted this one. Um, on my wrist, I want um, the uh, like the drawing of Baby Simba by Rafiki, and I want under it saying "Remember who you are," because I just like I really like that quote. I really like the moral and the message of the Lion King movie. I've always just kind of like connected to it, and. I just I love the messages that Lion King sends, so I've felt like that's represented some things that I've been through and stuff. So my next tattoo is going to be Simba, like the little thing that Rafiki does on the tree, and then it says "Remember who you are." That's cool. Yeah, so I I really like that. Um, what about you? I mean, I have the Man Leota Horn Mansion one I still have to finish on my leg on my calf that's pretty big but getting that done maybe in the end of next month 
I didn't know you had that. Yeah, I ha- yeah, I have her and Crystal Ball and stuff. That's cool. Um, but the other one, I, I would guess, I, I'm really into tattoos in general, so I would probably really want to get a full sleeve of Disney characters on my left arm. Completely done. That's really cool. How do you choose what characters you want on there? Because obviously you can't fit every character on there. That's the problem I'm having is deciding which ones I want. <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting though. That's really cool. Um, I've seen some pretty cool Disney tattoos and um, I can tell you right now, like I never thought, like especially when I was younger, um, or even like in high school, I never thought I would get this attached to Disney where I would get it like ink on my body about Disney. Um, and some people are like, you're crazy. Like, are you really that attached to Disney? And like, not that it's like an obsessive and like weird thing, but like Disney can send you really good messages. So I don't think it's a bad thing when you have it tattooed on your body. Yeah, I always wanted. Uh, I really actually always wanted like Pixar characters. I before I got like super into just Disney in general, I was also just really, really into Pixar. Like that was like my dream job for a long time. <laughs> so yeah, I was no matter what, I always wanted to at least have something Pixar Disney related on me. Yeah, for sure. We'll definitely have to share pictures of our tattoos we have right now on our Instagram. Yep. Yeah, we can do that, definitely. Yeah. So, we'll do that eventually, but awesome. So, listeners, like I said before, respond to us. I definitely want to know if we have anybody that has Disney tattoos, because I love Disney tattoos. So, if you have one, share it with us. I really want to see them. And we'll have a conversation about it. Maybe it has a significance. Maybe there's a story behind it. Or maybe you just love Disney. So um, if that's it, unless you have anything else to say, I think that about wraps it up. Nope. Yeah, that just wraps up, I think. All right, cool. And that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you for listening to us, the Lost Disney Nerds podcast. If you want to reach out to us or connect with us, you can email us at lostdisneynerds at gmail.com. You can follow and interact with us on Instagram at the Lost Disney Nerds podcast. And you can also find both Drew and I on TikTok. Drew's TikTok is at Drew underscore the Lost Disney Nerd. And my TikTok is at the Tallest Disney Princess. Give us a follow on there and stay tuned for our next episode.